You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. I continue to watch film on all, on all of these prospects, and it continues to make me feel all tingly inside when I get excited about some of them. Although, Doug, I am getting scared. I'm having reoccurring nightmares. I watched Bull Bull today. Bull Bull. And that guy has a pretty sick film session for That's you. That's my dude. That is your guy. Now, if Jackson Hayes is there, you take him over Bull Bull. Where are you going? If oh, both Jackson of those guys Hayes is my dude. That, it's, I feel you gave you you gave him your rose, correct? That's what I said yesterday. At least I hope I wasn't wrong about that. Yeah, the Bachelorette, by the way, starting back up and taking that. over my television in my household, and not as television apparently. Yeah, not as a big fan. He won't. He won't talk about it a lot. But it's one of the few things he won't talk about a he lot. He will on He's Twitter. A huge fan. Um, but yeah, every year I give a rose out to the draft prospect that really just has my heart. Now sometimes I take that rose away, especially if the consensus starts to develop around another player, because I'm really just concerned with being correct. And sure. and however long it takes me to get there and whatever I have to sacrifice to do that, I just want everyone to understand that I had it from the very beginning mm-hmm. and that I that I was correct. And then you, pat yourself on the back afterwards. Oh, of course. You on the other hand, you are You don't know me. You are what I call stuck in the highlight zone. Do not adjust your computer screens. You're in the highlight zone. You just love everybody because mixtapes, that's what mixtapes do. They trick you into believing that a player is much better than they actually are. Well, that's not necessarily true. There are some guys, I mean, I guess everybody can come back at you with my disdain for Miles Bridges at the time. It was one of the worst. <laughs> it was one of my bad episodes that I had here that people got very angry with me. And it really, it was just because I loved Shea Gilgis Alexander so right, much. you were projecting. I was. Uh, Romeo Langford, like I said yesterday, I know you didn't listen to the show yesterday. I know you were doing other things. But Romeo Langford, I'm not crazy high on. This is a guy... We talked with Jared Morris, again, assemblycall.com yesterday. And Romeo Langford, I, I mentioned him to the listeners, Doug. I talked about him being crafty, not crazy explosive, doesn't play explosive, but he had good measurables coming out of high school as far as his vertical, and he's got good size. And so, yeah, Romeo Langford, not a guy that I'm crazy high on. I haven't watched a ton of PJ Washington film yet. It's just the mixtape, it brings us to the point that I wanted to open up with. Because I'm watching a Bull Bull mixtape just before we came on here. So I guess I didn't really watch all that much film on Bull Bull, but I was just watching some highlights, trying to, yeah, you know, I don't know, about six minutes, seven minutes, something mixtape of him. And there are some really stupid things that he's done. And it takes me back. It's why I said I have reoccurring nightmares, because it takes me back to Thon Maker's mixtape. And that was the absolute stupidest mixtape I've ever seen in my entire life. And I fell in love with it as soon as I saw it. Don Maker's my dude. Don Maker is my dude. And he was. I'll take him right now. I went back. It reminded me of Don Maker's mixtape so much. I just went back and watched it. And I still don't know how that guy is not the best player in the game. And that mixtape was absolutely incredible. You watch... A lot of dudes do what Thon Maker did in high school, right? Where they're spinning, they're dunking on people, uh, just a phenomenal perimeter player. Oh, except that guy, you can see him fill out his frame. Oh, and he's legitimately seven feet, like taller than Kevin Durant. And he's doing what Kevin Durant is doing in the NBA. He's doing that in high school. And I thought, I couldn't wait to see where he was going to go to school. 
He decides not to go to college, go straight to the NBA after I think playing. I think he comes over from uh, Sudan, if I'm not mistaken, and then playing very well. I, well, I could be actually wrong South Sudan. South, thank you very much. And so you see, yeah, South Sudan, and then I, I think he plays in Canada or whatever. I thought Thon Maker was going to be amazing. I get those same type of vibes from Bol Bol where I want him badly, and then I think, well, we do have the injury history here. It's just, is he going to be another Thon Maker, Doug? That is the question that I have. You, on the other hand, are not as worried. You seem to really like Bol Bol if Jackson Hayes is not available. I think I, I've just seen more consistent shooting out of Bol Bol, and I feel like that's one of the things that held Thon Maker back. I mean, they, there there was not a willingness by his teammates to give him the ball a lot because he, he turned it over and he wasn't able to shoot as consistently. So I mean, look, I think if you're at if you're at twelve, especially in this draft, which is somewhat weak, then I think you either need to trade the pick or take a big swing, and I'm not sure that there is a bigger swing in this draft than Bull Bull, who is being mocked right now anywhere from late line. He might not even be available. Bull Bull is this kind of guy that I see in the draft every year that for whatever reasons, medical, uh, there's some kind of concern about the, the person's game or whatever, and they start getting mocked down to 20. And then right around draft time, they start going up, 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 up. And then all of a sudden, the Hornets have an opportunity to take them, but they go two slots above the Hornets. And that that is usually what happens. By the way, we will get to another draft profile later on in the show. We're going to do Darius Garland today. Doug spoke with Adam Sparks, a beat writer for the Tennessean, so we'll talk with him later on in the show. And Doug, you bring up a good point about whether you should trade the pick. I actually had a chance to talk with Rod Boone of The Athletic today, and he wrote an article about trading that 12th overall selection. And he said, Cupcheck has two real options. He can try to fill one of their many needs by selecting the player they think will help them the most, or trade the pick as part of a larger package. If the Hornets are serious about showing Walker they want to put a quality team around him as he enters the prime of his career, enticing him to resign rather than chase free agent dollars elsewhere, the smart thing may be dealing the pick. So, Doug, you actually are an advocate of trading the 12th overall selection, just like one Rod Boone is. Rod Boone is my dude. Coming out here hot with the take already. I love it. Saying trade that pick. Cupchak, Cupchak's the master dealer, right? I mean, that was his role in Los Angeles when he was the the head of basketball operations. Maker. Yeah, and this is an asset, and it's one of the few assets that teams would actually be interested in and a lot of people are saying this is a weak draft, and I think it's a weak draft. But then again, other teams covet first-round selections, and there might be a player sitting around that 12 spot that a team all of a sudden falls in love with. Maybe Bull Bull is available there, and there's some other team that's way more interested in his services than the Charlotte Hornets are. And I think you have to take that opportunity to either find someone for Kemba Walker or accelerate your eventual rebuild and by accelerate i mean jettison some of these longer term contracts or some of this money so that you start to free up cap space i saw this interesting tweet walker from ira winderman heat beat writer uh quote here espn's bobby marks on heat waiting for 2020 free agency the quote from bobby marks is i look at that free agent class of probably being one of the weakest that we've seen that free agent class 2020 is not like it's going to be this year. Well, this year is an all-timer free agent class. It's stupid what it is this year. So there's going to be more opportunity this year in free agency if the Hornets can find some way, it might take a miracle, but find some way to free up cap space. Whereas if they just let some of these 
contracts expire slowly, which I've seen fans ask, you know, why not just just hold on, you know, wait till some of these contracts come off the books? Well, it's because, you know, 2020, maybe 2021, those draft or those uh, free agency classes don't look as hot. I'd be interested to see 2021's free agent class. I'm with you on 2020, and I hear Bobby Mark's point. My problem is... I'm just going to get out there in front of it. I haven't looked at 2021, but I'm going to say bad. Okay. I'm not going to take your word for it yet, but I appreciate going out there on a limb. I will say this. I am kind of one of those people that is willing to wait. I do think that's the smarter thing to do because I just don't think that, one, the 12th overall selection is going to be enough to get off of a Nick Batum contract and really get some kind of value because the one guy out there that is thought of, and we've talked with Rick Bennell quite a bit about it, it's just one of the few stars that would be a second fiddle to a Kimba Walker. It would be... Kevin Love, and I don't want that contract. And I don't know if there's somebody else that we're not thinking, which is entirely possible, then fine. I just don't know what you would get with the 12th overall selection and then a Nick Batum salary filler, right? Because if we're going to get one of those type of guys, a real roster changer, I would imagine the guy has got to be making close to $20 million or something really good. And I just don't know if that deal is out there. I, I can't think of one at least. 2021 NBA free agents. You ready for this? Yep. All right, Chris Paul, old, can't win in the playoffs. Nope. LeBron James, can't even make the playoffs. Get out of here. Blake Griffin, <laughs> one leg. Paul George, all right, that's fine. Gordon Hayward, one leg. Mike Connolly. There's a lot of really good older and maybe a tiny bit injured guys. Yeah, 2021 is a geriatric free agency class. So oh, my I'm, God. I'm, I'm, liking, I'm liking the Hornets making a move now. And even if, again, even if you secure... Kimball Walker or you don't secure Kimball Walker, I'm in favor of accelerating whatever rebuild you've got coming up and moving money when money is to be moved. You have to remember that, you know, these times draft and trade deadline are critical points where teams are more willing to accept bad assets. And you have to take advantage of those if those opportunities present themselves and if it doesn't hurt you long term. Yeah, if you can, then fine. I just I don't know if you're getting rid of Nick Batum. And that's the only one that I want to get off sooner rather than later. I, I'm cool with holding on to Marvin until he runs out. I'm cool with running on to on, holding on to Bismack until he runs out. Same thing with really all the other contracts. Just Nick Batum. Like if, we, if you find a way to do that, and I just don't know how they're going to find a way to do it. Maybe they can by attaching that 12th overall selection. Maybe that's valuable enough. But even you said, like if it's a weaker draft, may, maybe somebody likes a bowl bowl or somebody else there enough to take on that money. I just, I just don't think that the value is going to be enough for me to part ways with that first round selection. It's the Locked On Hornets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. We'll be back a little bit to talk with Adam Sparks, beat writer of the Tennessean, to discuss Darius Garland's draft profile. We appreciate you joining us here today. It's the Locked On Hornets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Adam Sparks is my dude. This is Locked on Hornets. Nature's first green is gold. Her hardest hue to hold. Her early leaf's a flower, but only so an hour. Then leaf subsides to leaf. So Eden sank to grief. So dawn goes down to day. Nothing gold can stay. We need the boys to mend with that now. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast.
Thanks for listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We're coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. Remember, if you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. What was conveniently left out by Doug in the reveal of the free agent class in 2021 that he also tried to get out in front of and say it was a bad class was some spring chickens with some of those geriatric members of the free agent class. Doug, do you care to reveal some of those names oh yeah sure listen to this goof troop <laughs> demar derozan cj mccollum otto porter jr drew holiday rudy gobert anthony davis bradley beal andre drummond Giannis antetokounmpo i think it would be easier if we just said who isn't a free That's, agent in 2021 so 2019 was a pretty insane free agent class and it sounds like 2021 is going to be an insane free agent draft class now, with on. guys that are part of the geriatric club, but also some guys that aren't necessarily spring chickens. I guess that was a little far, but still people you would like to have for a five-year deal. Uh, one name I haven't mentioned, I'll give you this name, Nicholas Batum. He's a part of that, huh? Nicola Batum. Yeah, well, I, I'm not going to re-sign him. We did talk with Adam Sparks, Doug specifically talked with Adam Sparks again he is a beat writer for the Tennessee and to talk a little bit about Darius Garland a guy that missed a ton of time I think only played a handful of games for the Vanderbilt Commodores this season but a highly recruited a highly uh, a recruited guy coming out of college and he is probably going to be a top five pick for regular season games Doug did he play in Vanderbilt yeah just Quattro. four so still a lot to be learned about Darius Garland and Adam Sparks joins us next here to talk about the Vanderbilt point guard uh, so, Adam, what was the buzz around Darius Garland coming into his freshman season, and, and what were you in particular expecting from him in year one? Um, I thought I would be covering a Vanderbilt team that would go deep into March. Uh, you know, Darius Garland was, at least as a, as a signee coming in, he was maybe the best, certainly the most celebrated signee that Vanderbilt basketball has ever had. I mean, he was a can't-miss kid. He was uh, He's a local kid, five-star, maybe the best point guard in the country. And a lot of people thought he was going to be sort of what Kentucky has had in the SEC with the one-and-done guys that can come in and, you know, just from the get-go can lead a team uh, deep in the NCAA tournament. That's what a lot of people, including myself, thought that Garland would do. And the fact that he was a point guard and really good facilitator and a scorer – you, you know, you saw the Vanderbilt coaching staff basically uh, basically centering the focusing the whole offense around Garland. They felt that way, too. And, you know, B- Vanderbilt had its best recruiting class in school history because of Garland. He had he had a, a four star that came and another five star that came. Everything went south once he was injured. But it was supposed to be a transformative type season. And when he got injured in the fifth game, that changed everything. And how much of a factor do you think that injury was in his decision to go pro? Oh, um, well, I think he was going to go pro anyway. Uh, I mean, I think he was he was very much going to be a one-and-done guy. Um, when I talked to Darius, even before the season started, when he would talk about his basketball dream, it wasn't, it wasn't I dream of the Final Four, I dream of an NCAA title, I you know, I dream of what can happen in March. He would dream of being an NBA player. And, you know, you get this a lot of, uh, a lot of times with these five-star guys that they, they all say, you know, I want to get to the league. And if, if the NBA rules were different and they could get to the league right out of high school, I think Darius Garland would have been one of those guys. 
the, the only reason he went to college for one year, I'm convinced, is just because he had to. Very smart kid, very mature kid, uh, but the rules were set up that way that he had to go to college for a year. Otherwise, he would have already been in, in, uh, in the NBA. I don't think the injury affected that at all. And you mentioned Vanderbilt was prepared to sort of build the team around him, build the offense around him, and, and the knee injury isn't really hurting his draft stock at all right now. Uh, what, what are people seeing in Darius Garland that is allowing them to look past the injury worries and, and made Vanderbilt want to sort of build that uh, team around him? Well, you know, he's, uh, he's extremely smart, very high basketball IQ. So whatever team drafts him, he's going to be able to come in and play the NBA game uh, right away. He's a guy that, you know, um, his, uh, his dad played in the NBA for, for a number of years. Uh, his game, I think, is even suited more for the NBA. He's really efficient in pick and rolls. Uh, he's, a, he's a complete player, so he can shoot from 23, 25 feet out uh, with, with, at a high percentage. Um, he can create. I think a lot of times the college point guard is the kid that, that can create and that can drive, but they can't necessarily – um, can't necessarily do the other things. Uh, he can do all the other things. I, I would question a little bit of his defense and some and some things like that. But uh, I think there's some questions maybe about his size also. But um, he was uh, his entire life in basketball. He has been the focal point of every team he's he's been on, and that's going through the AAU circuit where there's nothing but five star guys on his teams. But the coaches would look at him and say. We will be the best team, even despite all these five stars. We will be your best team if Garland has the ball, runs the show, everything goes through him. And actually, Vanderbilt, you know, their season went south and their coach, Bryce Drew, got fired basically because they set up their team to have the ball just go through him and, and no one else. And when he got injured, they didn't really have a plan B. So it was all their eggs in one basket. And it was a very good basket to have. But so I think he will transition quickly to the NBA if he's fully healthy, and I think he will be. I think he's going to run into some roadblocks there, but he will be NBA ready. He's not going to have to learn anything in terms of basketball at that level. And you mentioned his size. A lot of people are dropping the Trey Young comparison for him. Is that something you think is simply measurables-based, or do you see any similarities in the games of Trey Young and and, uh, Darius Garland? Yeah, some. uh, The measurables do that some. I will say – you know, I, he played high school locally here, but I didn't see him that much. I would see him on YouTube, and I would see him a, a lot of ways like that. And I would, I, and I thought, man, he's not. I don't know if he's a one and done. If he's a lottery pick when he was coming to Vanderbilt, because I thought he's a skinny kid. He looks like a high school player. He doesn't look like a college or pro player. He needs a couple years to fill out. And then when I would see him in uniform, only live, not on TV, only live. He, he's far more defined and thicker and stronger than you would think. You only can see that out of him live and usually only in uniform. He has a very kid-like face. I think sometimes we think that this guy is, is too young and too little. Um, physically, he'll, he will have to get a little stronger. Uh, Trey Young, is, is, and that's not a terrible comparison. Um, he's a better scorer shooting the ball than he is um, driving. Now, he can drive. Uh, I think he's a better scorer than – well, let me put it this way. I, I think if he was three inches taller, he he may be a shooting guard that can create. And, you know, you know, you see that obviously in the NBA where 
you're a two or you're a three, you can be LeBron and bring the ball up the floor. Depending, it, it doesn't matter what your position is, but he, he's almost more of a pure scorer than he is a facilitator. And he's a pretty good facilitator. But uh, yeah, I, I think he's going to be more deadly at the NBA level, just pulling up quickly. He's got a real quick release pulling up from 23 feet than he is getting in the lane and, and doing things with the ball to score. And, and obviously the size difference. It's going to hurt him. It's going to be a little bit of a more of a challenge in the NBA. The time that I saw him in high school, AAU, and certainly the time, the short time that I saw him at Vanderbilt, uh, he was a guy that could just step back and just drain a three from anywhere on the court. And I think that's where he's going to more go to at the NBA level. Awesome. Adam Sparks, beat writer for the Tennessee, and he covered Darius Garland in his time uh, at Vanderbilt. Adam, thank you so much for joining us. Yep, no problem. Thanks for having me. This is Locked on Hornets. So wait a minute. Do we value players that forget plays all of a sudden? I thought we were, (laughs) we loved LeBron James because he remembered he could cite to you every single play from every game he's ever played in. Now, all of a sudden, we like players who have no idea what happened on the previous play. I don't think you want him to play scared, right? It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Real quickly before we get to this crazy plan that Doug has concocted in order to exercise our Kobe Bryant demons, I want to talk a little bit about what Adam Sparks had to say about Darius Garland. Just real quickly, Doug, one, he's not going to be there at 12. There's no chance in hell that he's going to be there at 12. And so Darius Garland, somebody that Adam said, look, don't be fooled, man. Like, I understand this guy did not play a whole lot of college basketball. He did not get the exposure as even one point guard did in John Morant for Murray State. You know, Darius Garland would have gotten the love had he played a full season for Vanderbilt, would have gone straight to the NBA, and he's going to be a top five pick, it seems like. Yeah, ESPN, I think, has him at four right now, which would be the Lakers pick. Now, hang with me here. Okay, um, this is this is a nice little setup. The Lakers. Strapping in. Yeah, the, strap it in. Strap it on. Uh, the Lakers and the Charlotte Hornets have a little bit of draft history. I don't know if you guys know this. Have you guys heard about this? Do tell. Well, apparently, the Hornets drafted Kobe Bryant, oh, who, that's who nice. had a pretty successful NBA career but traded him on draft night to the Los Angeles Lakers. No, they didn't. That's insane. I swear to God. Who did they trade him for? Uh, I believe Eldon Campbell was in that trade, right? Um, Did I ask you an unintended trivia question? Eddie Jones was in that. I think it's Vlade Vlade Divac. I think it's Vlade. I'm sorry to ruin that. Listen, I was just naming naming Lakers players. (laughs) That I knew that that had played for the Lakers. No, he played for the Lakers after playing for the Hornets. See, I'm not the only one that gets things wrong in this studio. No, I was joking. I was naming former Lakers. The difference between you and I, okay, is that you are a credible journalist and you care (laughs) about getting facts right. I don't care whether or not I get the facts right. I'm all about the emotion. I'm all about the tears and the fears, okay? (laughs) Moving on to my scenario here. I'm so sorry. I'm just saying that what if the Charlotte Hornets trade up, which is a scenario, by the way, that we have not even mentioned yet as a possibility. We've talked about trading the pick away, possibly trading down for assets or to clear some of that salary off the books, but we haven't talked about the Hornets actually trying to break in to really what is the only valuable tier in this draft 
which is two or well attainable and valuable tier in this draft, which is two through four. Because after four, it really starts to dip. I think it's you know Barrett, Morant, and Garland, and, and possibly if someone just starts to rise after the combine, you know, another name could jump in there. But I mean, those are the names that are really exciting people right now. So what if they jump up, get Garland, and then Garland turns into a Kobe Bryant-like player, then all of a sudden the Lakers are the laughingstock or even more of a laughingstock than they have been, and the Charlotte Hornets exercise their Kobe Bryant demons, and then the Lakers come to some game sometimes with a Darius Garland Lakers jersey on. <laughs> That's right. That's very good. I didn't realize Kobe Bryant tweeted this out. This happened on July 1st, 2014. Kobe said at the time, he said, on this day 18 years ago, the Hornets told me right after they drafted me that they had no use for me and were going to trade me. Hashtag thank you. Hashtag Lakers. No way. Absurd. Kobe didn't want to play with the Charlotte Hornets. And I think people got mad at him at the time for even tweeting that out. I think Twitter was even relatively new for him at the time. I remember when Kobe got a Twitter account. It was like Mamba or something like that. Now I think it might be at Kobe Bryant. I'm not exactly sure about the handle, but I remember people being angry about that. I completely forgot that he tweeted that out. Other players that have played for both the Los Angeles Lakers and the Charlotte Hornets, Lance Stevenson, Tyson Chandler, Mm. Dwight Howard... Wow, that's right. Matt, well, Matt Barnes yeah, technically Bob was. Bobcats, I guess. I mean, yeah. Uh, Shannon Brown, Bobcats. Jeremy I saw him in an airport one time flying to Indianapolis. $2. Do I need to cool leave? Cool story. Do I need to leave the studio? <laughs> did you like say hello? I mean, is there, or did you just see him? Pass? It was just Who's, a random celebrity run. This is a great question. Who is the most famous person you've seen in an airport? You're welcome. Thank you. Um, I ran into Shannon Brown one time. I actually have a, a somewhat impressive list of celebrity run-ins at the airport. Let's in hear fact, them. in one trip, I got a couple of Charlotte Hornet point guards knocked off of my list. So, Kimball Walker, I saw at my gate one time, sitting right behind me. He was wearing a pretty cool Kimball Walker bucket hat. Uh, I ran into Brian Roberts. The same trip, I had a connecting flight in Atlanta. And this was before Brian Roberts even played for the Charlotte Hornets. This was a while ago. So I saw Brian Roberts at that Atlanta airport on the same trip. I ran into Shannon Brown one time. Uh, Tory Gurley was a NFL receiver after playing for the South Carolina You only Gamecocks. run into sports people? This is it how is. obsessed with sports you are. I just that know. You, that you don't know anyone more famous than someone that's in sports. Mark Schlereth. Stink, as they call him. Saw him at the Washington Dulles Airport. I saw LaShawn McCoy at the Atlanta Airport. So you're right. They are all sports people. The one person I think I saw. Get out more. I'm not sure. Watch some movies. The one person I think I saw that is a movie star, I think one time, I'm pretty sure, I saw Taya Leone. That I mean, it counts if it really was her. You don't sound incredibly I think confident. It, I'm pretty sure it was. It was from a distance, but I'm pretty sure I. Uh, I she think was, I saw. She her. was Taya Leonish. I she she was. I think she was full on Taya Leone. All right, most famous sports person I've ever seen in an airport was Hubert Davis, UNC. And I need to get out more. Coach. Yeah, well, that's again. I don't see a lot of sports people, but I did see Anna Paquin and Stephen Moyer who co-starred in True Blood, Anna Paquin, X-Men. Anna Paquin's a pretty big star. Okay. But I saw they're married, and they were, I think uh, Stephen Moyer was in Charlotte doing a TV show at the time, and I saw them at the airport. I do have one story. Somebody thought I was a celebrity one time. Asked for my autograph. (laughs) 
legitimately. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yes. Wait a minute. Yes. Someone saw you, mm-hmm. thought you were a celebrity. What celebrity? Correcting. Exactly. So, I was in the Atlanta airport one Let time. me look at you for a second to try okay. to guess what. Okay. There you go. You nice have a little... sharp, sharp jawline, short I do hair. Have a sharp jawline. Oh, man. I mean. It, it's not. I had a hat backwards on. So. I don't know if that changes anything. It, it kind of Jason will, Williams. It kind of will change some things for you. <laughs> White chocolate. <laughs> I would love to be mistaken because well, you're for, tall. You know, I mean, you you look like an NBA point guard. I got handles like Jason Williams. So I'm sitting down waiting for my plane, and an older couple is walking by me, and then they start to point in my direction. They're from a distance, so I don't know if it's exactly me they're pointing at, but it's an older couple pointing my direction, and I've got my headphones in, and I'm just kind of staring down at my phone, acting like I'm not listening. Oh, wait, I know I know who it is now. You look like Sam the Eagle, the Muppet. And so they are looking at me, and they decide to inch a little closer, trying to figure out if I was him or not, and I'm ignoring him. I'm in my own space. I'm in my headphones. I'm looking at my phone. And so Jamie I'm not Kennedy. Pay- you look like Jamie Kennedy. I'm not paying attention a ton, and so they continue to inch a little bit closer, and then the older man says, excuse me, and I take my headphones out and say, yeah, can I help you? Hey, do you mind signing an autograph for us? Would you mind doing that? Flat out. Ask me if I would sign an autograph. Robert Patterson. I told him, sure. I it's not a big deal. I'll sign an autograph for you. I, I doubt you want it though. I'm not very famous. He's like, well, what do you mean? I, well, I, I mean, I, I doubt it's going to be worth much, man. I, I, I doubt, but I'll, I'll sign it for you if you want. He's like, well, wait a minute. Aren't you Andy Roddick? <laughs> you did kind of look like Andy Roddick. Hat backwards. I was like, that's not no. A, that's not bad. I'm sorry, man. I'm not Andy Roddick. I'm sorry to disappoint you. I still sign it. But I'm not Andy Roddick. I doubt that autograph would be worth too much. Andy Roddick's my dude. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on the Lockdown Hornets <laughs> podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. You can follow us on Twitter and most social media platforms at Lockdown Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, the Himalaya Podcast app, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Lockdown Hornets. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Fire Friday with Nada. Well, you are Andy Roddick. <laughs>